This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. by the Saints for a touchdown! Each your inside pass to everything Saints football. Jimmy Graham brings it down, and that is a touchdown, New Orleans! We'll take you to places most fans never go. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room, following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints season. That is going to be a touchdown! Taysom Hill! Taysom TD! Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby! Happy week four. Welcome Inside Black and Gold. Steve Geller along with Jeff Nowak. Two-in-one Saints hosting two-in-one Tampa. And hallelujah, Jeff. Our boy, our main stud on offense, the hot revved up Camaro, a Calvin Camara, is back for the black and gold. And hopefully that can be the spark for this damn offense. Hopefully. <laughs> hopefully. You know, it's funny. We talked to Alvin yesterday in the locker room. Yesterday, I say that, I mean Wednesday. You know, he is just as excited as everyone else to be back. You know, he talked about how he's, he's, he doesn't watch football. That's the interesting thing about Alvin. And he's just an interesting person. He doesn't really watch football. He plays football. Uh, you know, Tyron Matthew was like that too. When I asked him, he's like, did you watch a lot of Saints games growing up? He's like, no, I was playing football. I didn't watch football. And so, you know, spending time away from the team, he's like, well, I had to watch it because it's my team, but I just like not well. I was not doing well watching it as a fan, especially just like it was good week one and week two because they won. But uh, watching that collapse in week three was not. And you can imagine for Alvin that that was not particularly uh, fun. Um, but we're going to talk a lot about Alvin in this segment and kind of our expectations for how he can change this offense a little bit, how he can help open things up regardless of who's at quarterback, whether that's Jameis Winston or Derek Carr. We've talked a ton about the Derek Carr injury this week. So we don't really need to get into any more about that. We're going to have to wait and see. There's going to be a smoke screen. We're going to go from there. But we're in the second segment, we're going to catch up with JC Allen. He's a reporter and writer for Sports Illustrated Bucks Game Day. It's going to give us kind of the lowdown. The Bucks are dealing with just as many injuries as the Saints. And so, you know, who's going to play? You know, are you going to see a Vita Vea, Devin White, any of their cornerbacks? Well, he's going to give us that information. And then we'll close out with Picking some X factors, going over some more notes on, you know, the film that I watched this week. And because, you know, I talked last week before the Packers game, 
that I didn't think the play calling was necessarily an issue for the Saints week one or week two. It was about the offensive line protection. Well, I think that when Derek Carr went down, everything kind of felt to shambles. And, you know, I asked Derek Carr about that because I, I thought they actually, the offense actually, when I went back and watched it, I thought it actually looked a lot more cohesive in that first half than it got credit for. You only had four drives. Two of them were long drives for points. One of them was a short field, but getting the ball at the 40-yard line isn't exactly a guarantee that you get into the end zone. So we'll talk about that. But first things first, let's hear from Alvin Kamara talking about, you know, what it was like watching the offense struggle, not being a part of it, and knowing that so much of what the offense wants to do is contingent upon having him there, right? Like, not only is he a weapon, he opens up the offense. He makes it more difficult for the defense to just send guys and not worry about someone slipping out on a screen or making them hurt on a draw. You know, it changes things, regardless of who the quarterback is. So here's what he had to say about that. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's, it's frustrating out there or not because, you know, uh, with the weapons we have, you know, you feel like you know the, the, the potential we got. And, you know, sometimes when you see it not come to fruition, it's annoying. But, you know, it's a lot of things. It's, it's uh, player error. You know, everybody wants to blame coaches, but it's some, some things we got to execute better, some things we got to pull out. So, I mean, it'll be good. We'll be all right. Get on track. And, and yeah, I think, like, again, you know, you look at it and – the players are the guys on the field. Like you can blame the coaching all you want. You can blame the play calling. Coaches can't go out there and and make sure that Andres Pete is blocking the right guy on a screen. That's got to be Andres Pete doing that. And that's what happened on the play right before Derek Carr got hurt. Is they have a screen set up perfectly. Kendra Miller catches a high ball, makes a nice play on it, and all it's going to take is Eric McCoy and Andres Pete. They are both out in front. They both go for the same guy and leave the outside defender unblocked and he comes up and makes a tackle. That's execution. The play was correct. The call was correct. The blocking failed. So, you know, I think, you know, it's not all going to be solved by Alvin. But at the end of the day, the players on the field have to play better. And I think, you know, like these guys understand that. And they're not going to sit there and blame, uh, you know, Pete Carmichael for for them screwing up. They have to play better. And so uh, hopefully Alvin, I think, He's an, uh, he's an understated guy. He's not a guy who's going to go out there and go yay, rah, rah. But when he talks, people listen. And I just think that he is a leader of that offense, whether he's a team captain or not. And I expect things to to be a little tighter with him in there. Yeah, he's definitely a lot more outspoken than, say, like a Marshawn Lattimore. But he's got like that same swag factor about him. I don't know, like, you know, guys want to hang out with him. You want to you be around Alvin. I, I totally think that, yeah, his presence is huge for this offense just because to me, he is still the top weapon on that side of the ball. Chris Olave is probably right right up there with him, but still Alvin's definitely a more dynamic player that can do more for you. Uh, and this offense needs some kind of spark right now, but it's not it's not going to help if they're not blocking for him either. Uh, so, so that's another one, obviously, we're going to need to see you know, going forward in this game and Tampa's front. We're, we're going to talk about this every week, I guess, because, oh, it's, it's going to be another difficult front to face because Tampa's no slouch either on the defensive side. They aren't. But, you know, that's only true when you have your players on the field. Sure. And, you know, we're going we're gonna to talk about this. Vita Vea, Devin White, Carlton. What's his name? Carlton Davis and Jamel Dean, right? Right. I mean, all these guys are on the injury report. And, you know, if they're not out there, you know, I, I guess we could say last week we were like, man, no Aaron Jones, no Christian Watson, no David Abakdiari, no right. Austin Jenkins. And, you know, one thing you'll say about the Packers is if you go go look at PFF, they have the number one ranked 
offensive line in the NFL despite not having those guys. Wouldn't it oh. be nice to be able to say that? And you saw that. You saw that in the game. Like the Saints got pressure, but there's a there's an art in allowing pressure, right? Like you are not going to win every time, but you have to win enough. Like the, 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 it's not it's not either you win or you lose as an offensive lineman. It's okay, you get beat, but did you get beat to in a way that literally he has a direct line to the quarterback, or did you get beat after kind of forcing him to loop around so that the quarterback has a lane to escape? And that's that's what the Saints haven't done. They haven't when they lose, <laughs> they lose instantly, and they lose in a way that the quarterback has nothing. To, they cannot escape. So I mean, not, it, it, and Carr's not really that mobile. I mean, he can he can move, but he's not looking to take off. Yeah, he wants to stay in the pocket. Um, you know, one thing that I that I kind of looked up and because we hear the coaches talk about this is down and distance, down and distance, getting manageable third down situations. And you know, I think it's kind of just one of those cliches. It's a trope that they, the coaches throw out there. It's it's true. It's it's actually fair. While you can blame that on the coaching being in bad situations. You know, holding penalties, stuff like that. Um, that's not on. That's that's tough. But for Derek Carr was sacked seven times between week two and week three. There was one sack on Jameis Winston. It came on first and fourteen. Four of those seven sacks came on third and nine or longer. One of them was third and six. So like your the sacks are typically coming in situations where Derek Carr is holding the ball a little longer than you probably want him to because he's trying to make something happen. And, you know, he also got sacked on a third, on a third and 15 against the, against the Titans. And so like, that's the common denominator here is he's willing to hang in the pocket and he's willing to take a hit and throw the ball, but like, man, it's gotta be worth it. And uh, yeah. So again, I, I, I promise we wouldn't spend the whole time talking about Derek Carr's injury, but you know, you look at, you look at the offense and it's like, what has been limiting them? It's like, Dude, does it seem like any defense is respecting the run game in the slightest? Not at all, right? No. And so, like, to me, it's like, if you can, even just the threat of Alvin alone being out there is, it makes makes a huge difference. It does. No, right. Like, the, the one you, I think, defenses had to respect the most is when you see Taysom Hill lining up, you know, for QB power. Yeah, when you're or you're running that zone read with Alvin, right? Like we've seen, you know, in that game, in that game, you saw Taysom run a zone read with I want to say it was Kendra, and he he actually gave it, and Kendra picked up five yards. But that's because the defense just went straight at Taysom. They didn't even consider that he might hand the ball to Kendra, and it worked. But again, it's like you you want that ball to go to Taysom, right? There's a stat out there that. When Taysom gets 40 yards or more rushing over the last two years, the Saints are 7-0. and When he gets under 30, 40 yards, they're 2-11. and 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 while there's kind of some baked-in, you know, imbalances there in the sense that game when the scenario. Saints are ahead, right. they're going to run him more. So, like, he's going to – like, in a game they win, he's almost always going to have 40 yards. You know, they're, they're, it's impossible to ignore completely. Like, you, you have to understand that if you can get Taysom working, it affects the defense. And one way to make sure to make it easier to get Taysom working is to force them to have to account for Alvin in that zone read is to force them to have to have someone tailing Alvin out of the backfield because they know you can throw him the ball. You can get him the ball in so many ways. The frustrating thing is all throughout camp, I kept talking about, man, the Saints are running a lot of like wheel routes, a lot of downfield passing concepts to take advantage of Alvin in the passing game. And wouldn't you know it, 
the second Alvin gets back, Derek Carr is probably not going to be out there to run some of those. And I'm not even sure if you should, because I think you probably need him to hang in and block as opposed to go out on a slow developing wheel route. But, you know, it's it's just one of those things that Alvin, I would argue, is the best player on this football team, definitely on the offense. And when you don't have that guy, it's it's noticeable. Um, like, look at like you watch the Giants play without Saquon Barkley. Does that look like an offense that can score ever? Uh, it changes the equation. And so hopefully, you know, my hope is that not only are you getting Alvin back, you're getting Alvin fresh. You're getting Alvin not having taken all these hits. And so he's going to be able to play in 14 games. Seven of them come on the front side of the bye week. Seven of them come on the back side of the bye week. And so hopefully you're going to be able to have a full season where you're not worried about Alvin, uh, of, uh, Alvin's availability. You're getting fresh Alvin. You're getting like college Alvin where he's only I worried say, about yeah, he mentioned. Yeah, he totally mentioned that. I thought that was great. I feel like college again. I'm, I'm fresh. I'm real fresh, you know. Uh, so uh, uh, Clancy asked me if I was bored. I was like, uh, I wouldn't say I was bored, but, you know, uh, I was definitely thinking like, okay, well, it's, that's that's three less games where, you know, I'm texting, you know, kind of taking that that load and taking those hits. So. Clancy Barone? Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's how I read it, Clancy Barone, or that's how I understood it was. I don't know of any other Clancy's. No, exactly. So that's what I was thinking too. I'm like, okay, the tight ends coach was talking to him, I guess. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I mean that makes sense because you're you're talking. It's just you know the tight ends have to block. They have to work with the. We have to work with the running back. If you want to screen the tight ends, have to you know. So I think that's probably you know he probably was saying hey welcome back and then and then he was like hey are you are you bored and I mean so Alvin has missed an average of three games over the course of the last like two three seasons. So it's like you kind of bake in three games missed with a running back. You kind of have to because of the because of the workload and the and the type of hits they're taking. So you know if. If the result of this suspension is that from week four to week 11, you get a fresh Alvin, a game-changing Alvin, as opposed to a guy in weeks 10, 11, just limping to that week off, uh, you know, I think that, that could, you're okay with that, knowing that you started 2-1 and one without him. I, I'm excited to see him. Like, that's the thing. Like, I think yeah. Alvin is not only an elite player who helps you on offense. I think him just being there just gives you confidence. Like... I don't know. I think there's value in that. I think I don't think that's a that's a that's I think that's a tangible thing. Is like no, we got Alvin. I remember. I don't know why this is kind of random, but uh, when I was growing up, I was a big UConn basketball fan. I'm still a big UConn basketball fan. I remember when when Diana Tarazi was on the UConn women's team, and they would ask Gino Oriema, was like, "What makes you so confident you're going to win today?" And his answer was. And, I, and I'm, this, I'm not making this up. You can Google it. His answer. He said it multiple times. He's like, "Because we have Diana." And you don't. And I was like, there you go. That's that's it. Like, because it just feels that way. Like, you know, the Bucs have Damian Lillard now all of a sudden. And it's like, man, I feel like the Bucs are going to win because I know that that guy can get it done. I know that Alvin can get it done. I'm not asking questions. The only questions I'm asking is how do we get him the ball? And how, how can we get him the ball as much as possible in the most advantageous ways? And if I'm a play caller, if I'm trying to come up with an offense, 
even an offense without my starting quarterback, that is a luxury. Definitely excited too, just because of the fact last year, even though when he was healthy, Alvin still wasn't Alvin because of that. The D, you know, the, the case looming over him from Las Vegas. That's all in the past now. Nothing to talk about there. The suspension's even been served. So it's like, yeah, Alvin is uh, free at last, free at last, ready to break through. And yeah, what better time to do it at home against the Buccaneers squad that you're fighting for first place with right now? And yet the the biggest question is, how's that line going to hold up in front of them? Because guess what? Now you're starting quarterback who, you know, we thought was going to be the guy to, you know, lead the way this season. I, I don't know when he's coming back. I, I don't believe it's this week at all. Do I think Jameis can hang in there and be that stopgap? Sure, but I'm still not confident, though, in Jameis getting the ball to Alvin, if that makes sense. Well, you know what? The funny thing is, you know, and you mentioned he's free at last. He literally said that. He said, I said, <laughs> I'm free uh, figuratively and literally. But, you know, the funny thing, you, you mentioned getting the ball to Alvin. That week two matchup uh, against the Bucks last year, Alvin didn't play. I think he was dealing with a rib injury, if I, could, if I recall correctly. He was okay. dealing with something. He didn't play. So you had Mark Ingram. And one of the things that happened in that game is Mark Ingram fumbled in the red zone in a position where you probably – that's probably Alvin on the field at that point. You know, one of the last times we saw Jameis on the field being effective, on, and and that's not including week one, obviously. They had that big comeback in week one. But if you go back to the 2021 season pre-injury, and I and I don't think he was ever fully Jameis last year with the, with the knee injury, right? Like, you, you saw him wearing the knee brace. He wasn't as mobile. I don't think he was as confident. But the last time you saw him play very confidently was, I want to say it was week five, maybe week six. It was out in Seattle. It had the bomb cyclone, if you recall. And he went to Camara like 10 times in that first half. And it was fine. And I was like, thank you. I have been waiting and waiting for Jameis to, you know, he, he had played well. He played reasonably well, but he had never really incorporated Alvin in the way that you want him to. And in, in terms of just, he's a guy that you got to get the ball in his hands. And that game they did. And it's the reason they won. I know he had at least one catch for a touchdown in that game. And I, I think he had 100 receiving yards in the first half. And then they started bracketing him. And that's the thing, like, if you can get your running, the defense to have to bracket your running back, you don't even have to get him the ball. You've already won because that means that those defenders are occupied. And so you can attack other things until they have to transition away from that. And you go back to him again. So I'm hoping that the Saints go back to that tape and be like, you see how you used Alvin in this game? That's what we need to do. Like, that's how we need to win with Alvin out there. And so, uh, you know, Alvin got asked about uh, Jameis and this is what he had to say. Yeah, I mean, like I said, like if, if Jameis got to step up and play, I know he, he, you know how Jameis is. He got that energy and he want to get out there and he want to do everything um, that he can to help us win. Um, I think just us being able to rally around him, just like they were rallying around Derek, you know, it's, it's some things that we got to clean up up front, like I said, to be able to protect. But as long as we protect Jameis and, and give him the time and opportunity to throw and, and you know, give him some of the calls he liked us. He, I know he's going to go and stand on the table and, you know, he, he, he fiery and he wants to throw the ball downfield and he wants to, you know, he wants to make splash plays. He wants to keep everybody engaged. So, I mean, just just understanding, you know, there's spots that we got to pick and, and sometimes we take what we get, uh, what they give us and other times, too, then we can, so other times we can take our shots and, and, and you know, kind of attack the offense. But, you know, if, if Jameis got to do it, I got full faith in him, you know. Um, part that stands out there, it's like subliminal messaging. You know, sometimes we have to take what they give us. It can't always be a chunk play. And that's what I really want to have instilled in Jameis, assuming he starts that like, you know, 
a, a first down is a win, right? Like you don't need 20 yards on third and three. You need three. Find a way to get three. And then we can worry about, okay, how do we pick up these 20 yards, 40 yards on first and second down and go from there? Is If he, if they had done that uh, against, the, against the Packers, I think they win that game. There was too many instances in that second half where they, they just felt like they were going for big plays when it's like, I just need a first down. The defense just needs a minute to catch their breath and you're not giving it to them. Um, and so, yeah, like that's a long-winded way of saying like, throw the ball to Alvin. <laughs> you you mentioned that with the defense and that that was one of the uh, the problems last season. The offense didn't do them any favors towards the end of the game and they, had, they ended up getting so gassed at the end. We saw some very winnable games slip away easily and we don't need that to become a trend again for sure. Uh, running the football uh, and, and thank God Alvin is back because it just it's been a tough trudge through it all. There's, there hasn't been really any of those big runs that have been broke that have broken through. I, I don't I can't even tell you the longest run of the season, maybe what, 11 to 12 yards kind of thing. No, they actually had a couple uh, outside runs in this game that were 15 plus yards. Okay. Uh, I think both Kendra and Tony had 15 plus yard no, runs. Nothing in the 20s, though, yet. And they were all both. I want to say they were both on that drive late in the first half when the Saints, I think it was an 82 yard drive that bogged down in the red zone. And that's the type of thing that you haven't seen is, you know, getting to the outside and really making them hurt downfield. Now, the one question that I have that is going to be interesting to see is, okay, so now Alvin's back. Who is the RB2? Because obviously Jamal Williams is on injured reserve. I think you trust Tony Jones. I think his floor is higher than Kendra's. Like, I think you have a little bit more trust in him from the perspective of pass protection. But how many reps are you going to be asking Tony Jones to pass protect anyway? Right? You're going to want Calvin on the field for a lot of passing downs. So is Kendra not the better option? Like, I, I feel like Kendra, in terms of a guy who's more of a home run threat, where when he's on the field, they're going to assume, you know, that, that, that it's not, you know, maybe the play's not going to the running back because. You don't have Alvin in there. I don't know. I think he's a little bit more dynamic. And I thought, like I, you know, I mentioned this in the in the on the Monday uh, episode, and you know, it only was reaffirmed by actually watching the game. I thought he was solid in his debut in terms of looking like like looking the part. Right? He didn't look overwhelmed. There was no point that I was like, man, if that was a different running back, he breaks that. There was one or two questionable reads. Maybe he missed a hole, but he did the simple things well. And that's what you need to do as a rookie to get on the field. And no disrespect to Tony Jones. I'd love Tony. I think he's going to be on this roster at least until Jamal gets back. I think that Kendra should be, you know, getting those, getting the, the bulk of those second string reps at running back. I think he'll get those snaps for the running back. But like you mentioned with Tony Jones, they'll definitely trust him more for those blocking scenarios where I think because of that, he ends up, they'll end up having pretty even snap wise. So it'll be like, 2A, 2B, uh, running back-wise for me, just because, uh, yeah, you're still going to need Miller, his dynamic presence on the field, but I think, yeah, Tony Jones blocking ends up putting more value on him. And you know what's funny? We we didn't bring up uh, Traquan at all. It's just funny now when you seems like this team needs blocking most, we've gotten rid of one of the best blocking options on offense. (laughs) Yeah, that wasn't wasn't lost on me. But like, like, the issue isn't, Blocking on the edges per se, it's yeah. You know, Traquan's not lining up in line at tight end, <laughs> uh, so yeah. 
But uh, you know, I think I think the way you're gonna see Tony uh, utilized is you know maybe I think Deuce calls it like two pony, where you have two running backs out there. Like I think that's probably where you can take advantage of Tony in in heavy formations, right? And when you're when you're going jumbo, and you're just trying to block and you're trying to get the ball to taste him for a run play, you know, I, I think you take advantage of him there. But yeah, I, I, like I I don't want to like I want to see Kendra's confidence continue to build because if I there's think, a point I think they later, do too, obviously. Yeah. Oh, of course they do. Right. He's a third round pick. Like you, you, you pick a guy in the third round because you expect him to contribute. So to, to me, I think he showed that he's ready. Yeah. That, that's kind of what I'm getting at is, you know, and, and I'd like to see him continue. You know, he hasn't been able to practice with Alvin the last three weeks, right? Like they've worked together a lot in the preseason, but he didn't get to pick Alvin's brain really before that game. So maybe that's something that he can kind of watch and learn a little bit more. And uh, anyway, I, I think I, I'm, I'm very happy to see Alvin back. That's all. This is a very long segment that boils down to, Yay, Alvin's back, uh, and uh, I think I think Saints beat the Bucks, and we're going to hear from J.C. Allen in a minute here. Um, I think this they should be confident going into this matchup, and even with without Derek Carr, I think you should be confident that you can go out and win this game. That you can harass Baker Mayfield. Um, now you can put points on the board uh, at home in front of your fans. They're going to be loud, and uh, Chris Godwin already said that he's afraid of him, basically. So. That was yeah. a very interesting comment from him. It's it's like, wait a minute, Chris, you sounds like you want to come play for New Orleans almost. A little bit, a little bit. bit. <laughs> kind of sounds like it's like, yeah, when I go when I play at home, it's like they, you know, it's an open an open stadium and all the air goes out of the building and everyone sucks. <laughs> that that wasn't a direct quote. That was me paraphrasing. Houston was wondering. Yeah. But all right. <laughs> so let's wrap up that segment. We're gonna come back here on Inside Black and Gold, talk to JC Allen, a writer for Sports Illustrated Bucks game day and uh yeah and then we're gonna come back in the final segment and get into some x factors for saints bucks in week four this is black gold i'm jeff nowak he's steve geller follow us on twitter at jeff underscore nowak at steve geller wwl at saints underscore pod and if you haven't subscribed yet on youtube do that at wwl sports wwl.com is the website latest saints content got an interview up with mickey loomis today mike Hoss did that it's a pretty interesting interview anytime your GM has to explain a 17-point collapse in the fourth quarter, and it did not disappoint. So go check that out. We will be right back. Stick around. <laughs> 